Hello everyone, Joshua Gilliland here, one of the founding attorneys of The Legal Geeks. With me to discuss The Clone Wars is, with me tonight to discuss The Clone Wars is Professor Stephen Tolafield and Major Thomas Harper. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. I'm, so, I'm doing wonderful in, in my quarantine state. A little stir crazy, but yeah, we're hanging in there. <laughs> we're all in this together, guys. And uh, yeah, we're all a little stir crazy because all of us are in basements or living rooms where we now uh, live and work all the time. So it's a new world order. Yep. New normal. Yeah. Let's talk about one of the things that brings us joy, and that's Star Wars. And specifically, uh, we have a lot of fun with uh, Clone Wars and the new episode, Gone with a Trace, focusing on Ahsoka, and after she has been highly insulted by the Jedi Council, thrown a bone, and then she said, no, thank you, and walked, thus saving her life. So uh, this has only been, what, like uh, eight years in the making uh, to, to see right. how this thing ended? So, Thomas, you, you identified some... Uh, you know, kind of a lack of post-Jedi benefits from how they treated her. There was no severance package. What jumps out to you about that? Yeah, so this, I, the, the we've been wondering for years sort of what would happen to Ahsoka post that that brilliant scene at the end of season five where she's walking away uh, from Anakin on the as the sun is setting at the Jedi Temple. And... I think this is the perfect sort of introduction where, where she's trying to find herself. And what I thought of as a normal human being, um, you know, with my brain not addled by time in the Jag Corps was what kind of benefits does the, uh, the Jedi order give its, its former members, whether you leave voluntarily, whether you're a retired Jedi. I mean, I, I assume they have a wing there in the, uh, uh, the temple for their their old Jedi that are uh, there in the old folks' home, but um, yeah, I want to see that anthology film. That would be really <laughs> that's, that's right after this Old Republic stuff. You're going to get the the elder <laughs> Jedi playing <laughs> chess and stuff. Totally, um, cartoon, but with the Jedi. <laughs> but yeah, so she what what we see last of her is is she is thrown out of the Jedi Order in this. Um, sort of administrative uh, trial, if you will, or, or quasi-judicial proceeding. And I, I wrote an article about that process and, and what that looks like in the military. Um, she's ultimately found not guilty at the criminal trial uh, before the Republic, but she still leaves the order. And ordinarily, this, this sort of thing happens all the time in the real world military. Folks, you may be court-martialed and, and um, have a certain result there, or the military may choose not to put you on trial, and they may still take a look at your misconduct or your alleged misconduct and decide to try to give you the boot. Uh, in Ahsoka's case, she was booted, and depending on the results of that that administrative board or that process, you can be stripped of certain benefits. Um, you know, everybody is familiar with like the uh, certain characterizations of discharge, like everyone's heard of like an honorable discharge or maybe the worst, which is a dishonorable discharge. But there are a couple levels in the middle 
they can still strip you of benefits, namely a, a general discharge or an under the, other than honorable discharge. And those are just what are known as characterizations of discharge. But Ahsoka here, because of the serious nature of the, the misconduct that, that she was accused of, probably would have been thrown out with an other than honorable discharge. It's the worst that you can get unless you're court-martialed, uh, and then you can be exposed to, to a so-called punitive discharge. Um, and an OTH discharge, which is what they're called for short, is really a backbreaker. And so uh, you see Ahsoka, she's not living the high life. She's not, it, it, it's clear that she doesn't have much in the way of benefits. She's not getting any kind of support from the Jedi Order. She's really short on credits. And as we'll talk about shortly here, she's riding on a busted um, half-functional uh, speeder bike. And it, it's clear that she's lost benefits. And that really is is mirrored in real life because um, you may avoid the most serious consequences. Um, the, the government may not even have a, a case to, to bring against you at trial to prove beyond a reasonable doubt at, at the criminal level. But you can, they can still inflict some pretty serious consequences, not only by, by taking your job away, you know, she lost her Padawan status and her rights and privileges in the clone or in the army of the Republic, but they can also take away things like your, your GI bill. So your education money, um, your, your VA benefits in terms of medical benefits, things like that. So Ahsoka is really feeling the ramifications of those things and uh, trying to find her way in the wake of all those consequences. Fascinating. Well, we, uh, as anyone who goes through something that traumatic, you might go on the drive. I mean, Matthew McConaughey style or maybe Easy Rider, <laughs> you get a, get a motorcycle, which is what Ahsoka does. And we don't see her buying said bike, but we see her uh, get into some uh, vehicular uh, trauma and danger. So let's, let's talk about the uh, product defect side of things. And Stephen, you did a giant blog post about this. Can you walk us through some of the issues that, that she could have with this defective bike? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, this clipped was uh, previewed at Celebration last spring, and I was so excited about it. I immediately did a little piece on it. Um, it's, uh, you can visit thelegalgeeks.com for the full analysis. But um, briefly, um, of course, products liability is a way for um, consumers to recover if they're injured by defective uh, products. And this happens a lot in vehicle manufacturing and vehicle production, um, but it's a strict liability theory, um, which means of course that the plaintiff doesn't have to prove that the um, defendant knew about the defect or had any bad intent. Um, the consumer only has to show that the product broke and that it caused the injuries basically. I mean, subject to some defenses if the, if the um, plaintiff misused the product, but it didn't seem like Ahsoka was misusing the speeder, although, I don't know. I mean, I guess it looked like other people were riding speeder bikes down a bottomless shaft on Coruscant. Um, but um, I, I suppose that might raise some uh, questions about whether she is being reasonable. But anyway, um, there's basically like two theories of product liability. And the, the one is, the main one that everyone is kind of really familiar with is the defective design, which is where you hear about all these big headline grabbing um, multi-million dollar settlements and cases involving automobiles like the uh, Ford Pinto defective fuel line or the GM ignition swishes or the Takata 
um, airbags where the design of the product itself is defective and exposes consumers to an unreasonable risk of injury. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's the situation here because again, other people were using speeder bikes to go down this bottomless shaft on Coruscant. Um, it seemed more like this was a case that involved a manufacturing defect, which refers more to just like an idiosyncratic failure of some component or of the product um, that caused the accident. And Ahsoka said like the repulsor blew, the compressor is shot. So it seems like there were things that were kind of wrong with this specific speeder bike. So all she would have to establish was that the injury happened and the defect was part of the product. And that's the implication for strict liability would be that someone somewhere along the manufacturing or retail had somehow screwed with the, the product to make it unreasonably dangerous. And like I said, I suppose someone could argue, the defendant could argue that she should not have been executing this maneuver, but it seemed like there was a, um, a couple people, at least on speeder bikes, that she almost ran over. Um, so it seemed like that was something that people would have expected the speeder bike to be able to handle. I feel like if you're designing a speeder bike in the Star Wars galaxy and you're not taking into account the giant core planet where people might very likely be using it to go down that central shaft that's accessed to all the lower levels, you're probably not a very good speeder bike designer. Right. And there seem to be like no safety um, provision <laughs> at all on speeder bikes. Like there's no restraints. They're like frictionless travel. Like there's just like nothing that you can do to make them safe. But in any event, uh, it seems like she has a pretty good case for uh, product liability here. That does bring to mind, you mentioned the, the design defect piece. And I think about that episode of Rebels uh, where uh, the, the Rebels have infiltrated the, uh, the production plant of the Imperials. And they've, obviously this is sabotage, but they, they tinker with, some of the Imperial speeder bikes to make them seem as though they're blowing up at a high rate of speed. And, and, you know, therefore it's a, a design defect that's causing these things. Uh, you know, that that's the way they're tricking the Imperials um, until Thrawn comes and immediately figures it out. Right. Which is, which just goes to Thrawn's uh, strategic brilliance because ordinarily how could anyone tell if they were unusually dangerous because <laughs> like, right. they're just, they're just death machines. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, the other thing that occurred to me that hadn't occurred to me when um, when this clip first came out at Celebration was that if, I don't know, it's it seems like pretty far-fetched to to believe that her speeder was still under warranty, but if, it, if the speeder bike, if she could establish that there was still a manufacturer's warranty that applied, she might be able to get um, the retailer or the manufacturer to fix it for free if she could qualify for the um, Coruscant Lemon Law. Which you know, which allows for you know, if if there's a if there's a warranty that applies, they they have to the manufacturer has to have an opportunity to fix it. Um, but um, if it's something that's very seriously a safety flaw, like this would be, they only have to try to fix it once, and then she could just get a replacement. So, but I don't know. It seems like something that sketchy probably isn't under warranty anymore. Let's uh, rocking analysis. Wait, let's let's talk a little bit about the. Um potential reckless driving side of it. So the, the, the rule is a person who drives a vehicle upon a highway in a willful or wanton disregard for the safety of persons or property is guilty of reckless driving, and that's California Vehicle Code Code 23103A. She, when the bike starts to malfunction, 
you know, the, we see her like hanging off of it, like running over other vehicles, like dodging people and like, like physical contact situations with people who are exposed in their speeders. Thomas, do you want to talk about potential reckless, if that could qualify as reckless driving because she's like tap dancing on other people's cars while hanging off of her bike? And you're like, yeah, she can't pull to the side of the road because she would fall thousands of feet to her death. But, you know, that aside, what are, what's your reaction? I, I think the problem that the authorities might have in trying to prove this case is with the, the willful, willful or wanton definition. Um, there, there's some amount between those two uh, legal terms of art of uh, intent, like intentional action. And uh, certainly willful or wanton, or well, especially wanton is on the, um, the more extreme end of things. But it, it contemplates a situation where you are acting um, intentionally to, to do uh, the, the criminal thing, the unlawful thing uh, that the law is speaking to. And here, that that's not really the case. I mean, reckless driving is is set up so you're you're targeting you know the joy riders, the folks that are are really just completely intentionally disregarding the safety of others, or they're acting in a way that's just you know so callous, um, they're so blinded uh, that that it needlessly puts others at risk. And Ahsoka is doing quite the opposite here. I mean, she's doing her very best to try to save not, not just herself, um, but to try to keep this bike from hurting other folks or killing other folks. Cause I think obviously the, <laughs> I think we're going to keep coming back to this giant tunnel or this, this hole in the ground in, in Coruscant. If she lets go, I think she's either dead or, or has a serious chance of getting uh, very badly injured despite her Jedi powers. But more importantly, if she lets it go with all the chaos that's happening with traffic that Stephen uh, rightly pointed out, this thing's going to, that, that bike is going to cause a lot of collateral damage. And, and I would almost think it's, it's uh, in, in a way, if there was a reckless action for her to take, it would be letting that bike go instead of trying to stop it and, and uh, bring it to, to a halt. So if anything, I think she deserves some sort of like key to the, uh, to, to Coruscant, like the city, maybe just a key to that giant hole in the ground for, for <laughs> praising her for uh, saving what could have been a, a big catastrophe there. Yeah, she doesn't like hit the school bus, you know, with yeah. the bike. You know, there's... <laughs> right. Well, and even aside from the criminal liability, if, if um, some of those other drivers tried to sue her for negligence, I would think that she would qualify for the sudden emergency jury instruction um, that that she would not be liable if she could establish that she acted with reasonable care in an emergency situation. I'm pretty sure that anyone, like a reasonable jury would find that she did everything she could and that, that, and that the emergency wasn't her fault, which is kind of a key to that defense. Yeah. Um, that seemed to just be sort of an accident, nothing that she was responsible for. Yeah. We had a case out, out this way uh, on the East coast in Pennsylvania where uh, somebody had a medical emergency. They had a, uh, a seizure, uh, while driving and there was a debate about you know whether this person took uh i don't know that they were on time with their medications uh the uh, medications to prevent the the seizures and there was a, a question about the the tug of war between 
the sudden emergency of, of needing to respond to a medical condition and, and you know, it, it, how much that absolves you of liability uh, versus the danger you put other people in and, and sort of the, the intentional act, if you will, of not taking your medication in the first place and causing that set of circumstances. But I think for Ahsoka's sake, other than getting a good deal and, and buying the speeder that she could afford, which is obviously not the best of quality, you know, it, it doesn't seem like she had any way of knowing that, that these parts were broken and whatnot. Good analysis, really good analysis, guys. Well, let's talk about, she, you know, she, her, her landing and she makes a new friend who's a mechanic and there's a discussion about uh, renting tools and also basically uh, being able to stay there. And it, it raises interesting uh, contract questions and renter questions. And, uh, you know, Stephen, you're shaking your head. Why don't, why don't you take, take the first stab at this? I mean, I, I, I really, I'm really, uh, I find Trace really appealing as a character. I think she's, um, but she has very similar problems in negotiation that I do. <laughs> she managed to kind of negotiate herself out of any fee or any, any sort of um, rent or um, consideration for services. She starts off with like, hey, I'll fix your bike. And then Ahsoka counters with like, no, no, I'll fix it. And then um, the counter counter offers, well, I'll give you tools if you give me money. And then Ahsoka says, I don't have any credits. And then <laughs> Trace's response is, no worries, no one has any credits down here anyway. <laughs> so apparently <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's just giving away her, her services and her tools. Um, and then, you know, late, but then she still keeps talking about how there will, you know, time is money and you can stay if you pay me. But then ultimately she starts fixing the bike and says it's just on the house. And so she's talked herself down from like the full service <laughs> renovation down to like, it's totally free, which I find really sweet. And, um, and I think that probably says a lot of her, about her character in contrast to her sister, who's much more steely and street smart. Um, but I just thought that was really sweet how she <laughs> completely negotiated herself out of a binding contract. When, and clearly the, the stakes are high for Trace and her sister because I have to imagine that even at level 1313 on Coruscant, the rent is probably like, you know, anywhere in San Francisco or New York City. I mean, you know, just astronomical. And they're clearly in a fix because they uh, they get confronted pretty early on in the episode uh, by a roughneck that that they owe money to. And you know, I'm presuming it's either uh, for job related or for the space that they're renting. And so for her to sort of negotiate to that that point, because as soon as Ahsoka came into the hangar, I thought this is a great way for them to expand their business. She's not going to have any money to pay for this, but you know, we, if you've read the Ahsoka novel, you know that she's pretty darn good with a wrench. Bring her on board as another employee. She works for, you know, works for what she needs in terms of time with the tools or uh, parts for repair, sort of like in, in Resistance, where we see Kaz and some of the other crew working for sort of a pittance in wages, but they, uh, you know, they also get food and shelter and some of the other necessities. I thought that was going to be the situation, but apparently Trace needs to, to, um, take some lessons in contract negotiation. Yeah, I I agree, and that it one it was adorable. Uh, two, it does highlight 
one of the best qualities of Star Wars, people just doing the right thing. It's like, oh, you just crashed onto my front porch. You're in a rough place. You're broke. Hang out. We'll we'll work this out. We'll make we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll get you taken care of because that's like the decent thing to do. And she does the decent thing. And Ahsoka, being a hero, it's like she gets into a a fist fight. She you know she's there. She lends a hand. Like that's all awesome. And it's just it's one of those endearing qualities of Star Wars about people just doing the right thing. I mean, it's like Han coming back to you know fight at the Death Star. It's not as grand, but it's just as important. It's like, yeah, you could stay with me. Yeah. He's He's very (laughs) smuggler archetype, like the the criminal with a heart of gold. (laughs) They're great. We we saw how well that worked out for Han financially. (laughs) Yeah. But just because life is hard doesn't mean you should be a jerk. And uh, yeah, so it's... We'll see how this goes, but I'm I'm enjoying it, yeah. and I do uh, applaud the contract uh, analysis. And I don't know if whoever came in was a loan shark or mobster, but uh, like my my initial reaction was loan shark, and they were there to break legs, and um, you know like that ended well. Steven, you mentioned the Ford Pinto, that that uh, that alien's name, that roughneck was Pintu, so <laughs> we're right on target here. All the products liability themes. Yeah, this. <laughs> they absolutely, that, that was absolutely intentional on the writer's part, I'm convinced. I'm sure. I, I, I wonder if someone's going to be Nader uh, at some point. Uh, <laughs> N-A-D-I-R or something. Like, Need a little spin on it. <laughs> that would be awesome um which brings us to the you know the other thing that gets put together that's inherently dangerous the demolition droids such a bad idea so instantly i was like watching this was like did they write this for us did did they just love us how how did this happen that this thing's just packed with legal issues uh it's literally a torts exam My like issue spotting brain was like, <laughs> it's like God bless them. Firing. It's like it's so cool. But uh, one, would there be a duty to warn about the demolition droids? And two, are the demolition droids defective products because they were taken off the market for that reason? So, Thomas, do you do you want to start first with the duty to warn side of the equation? You know, generally, you've you've got a duty to warn by the supplier if if uh, there are known or latent defects, and um, I, I think the issue here that I come back with is is they get hired um, by this Twi'lek named Locan who hires this uh, the two sisters um, to to basically reactivate the droids is that you know does that twi'lek count as a supplier because you know he's not obviously the manufacturer um i think on some level uh even though he's not the one churning these these droids out he knows the, the whole reason he's coming to a laundromat to have his droid to broker a deal to get these droids reactivated is not because he needs these uh these legit binary load lifters um reprogram so he can go back to the business of hauling cargo or whatever 
he knows that they are demolition droids. And so at least in New Mexico and some other states, um, you, you do have a duty where if you know of a, uh, if, if a user knows of a, uh, a particular danger, they do have a, uh, a duty to warn. And, and that's regardless of whether the duty rests in negligence. And I, so in the case here, I think that Twi'lek Locan, he, he needed to tell them up front, you know, during the negotiations, what this was all, what, you know, what was happening. I think the, the hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, 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 at least uh, with the older sister, Rafa, is that she knows what's going to be done. She just doesn't care because they need the money. And Trace is, uh, you know, idealistic and just wants to get the job done. I don't think she really realizes it. It's not until Ahsoka puts two and two together that she realizes what's happening. So it, you know, it's too late for them, but I think he needed to tell them up front what was going on with those droids. I would agree with that. Yeah. And my, my understanding too, is that if there's like, you know, the sort of why um, there's all those very rapid parts of the pharmaceutical commercials where they start talking really quickly while the man <laughs> and the woman are, you know, reclining in their his and her bathtubs side by side. Um, <laughs> the, the, the duty to provide those, you know, sort of precautions about dangerous side effects or even to include um, instructions for safe use of a dangerous product like a drill or something. If there aren't those warnings or precautions provided by the manufacturer, the product itself will be considered defective, even if the product is operating as you would expect. Um, so, so they may have a duty to say that, you know, these are quote unquote load lifters, but as Ahsoka said, they're repurposed demolition droids <laughs> prone to violence. So there may have been a duty to sort of spray paint that in Arabesh all along the side. <laughs> Caution <laughs> when using these, they may unexpectedly jump from level to level of Coruscant and destroy your, your uh, hover vehicle. Um, there's Peter. There's the old Saturday Night Live uh, sketch about Happy Fun Ball that has all the warnings about Happy Fun Ball, which is, do not aggravate ha Happy Fun Ball. Do not look at Happy Fun Ball. Do not remove Happy Fun Ball from its box. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, that's the demolition droid right there because it's like, do not turn on demolition droid because it will <laughs> demolish things. And we, we, We've conveniently put the only on off switch in the most inconvenient place on its face <laughs> right in the middle right where its two arms can just smash you it's like the star wars universe is like intentionally dangerous like the, the lack of guardrails <laughs> putting the off button on a demolition right on its face it's a wonder what, anyone makes it past you know in adolescence what i immediately thought of was you know when we first sort of are introduced to C-3PO when he first meets uh, Uncle Owen and Luke, he says that his first job was reprogramming these things, reprogramming uh, binary load lifters. Uh, and he says they're much similar. They're, they're very similar to your evaporators in many respects. And I'm like watching this episode, like in what, what, please elaborate 3PO. <laughs> How does the evaporator get like a demolition drone? Yeah. Prone to violence. Yeah, I'm not the only one who thought of that. It's like, what are they test evaporators? I mean, do they just get <laughs> angry? Um, yeah, it's bonkers. 
uh, just absolutely bonkers that why would you put it on its face? It's like, how do you, how do you get there? It's like, are you going to do like a, uh, like a roadrunner thing, like Looney Tunes and like play dead and hope it comes up and sniffs you? Like what's, what's the plan here uh, that to get up and boop its nose to turn it off uh, without getting dismembered? Well, and every time I hear demolition, like demolition droid, my um, torts, my, the part of my brain that's still taking torts exams 20 years later automatically thinks of an abnormally dangerous activity. And so <laughs> I'm wondering if they can, like, they, they might be on the hook for strict liability if it's, you know, something that's not in common usage. Because Ahsoka didn't seem to recognize a demolition droid until mm. it jogged her memory. So it doesn't seem like they're that common. Yeah. Um, there has to be a really significant risk of harm. And it can only be abnormally dangerous when the activity is not safe, even when everyone is being careful. And I suppose there's an argument that uh, Trace was not was being sort of not careful when she didn't put the restraining bolt on the demolition droid. But <laughs> but still, it seems like it's pretty uh, pretty dangerous. And then of course that you have to you can't impose strict liability unless it's um, foreseeable. And that sort of demolition that the demolition droid engaged in on Coruscant seemed totally foreseeable. So they might be on the hook for strict liability even. You gotta lose that laundromat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's they, uh, the issue. They didn't put a warning label on it, and you know, they one of the aspects of the law is a supplier has no duty to warn of risks which can be reasonably expected to be obvious or known to uh, foreseeable users of the product. Well, if you said this is a load lifter, it's not uh, obvious that's the demolition droid, so it needs that big big warning on its chest back you know press here to turn off uh, maybe move that someplace on its back um, right. and it struck me as curious too that ahsoka said that the demolition droids were a or the load lifters were a fraud like that that somehow they had been marketed or something as something that they weren't um which which sort of throws a monkey wrench in all the foreseeability and awareness i guess yeah, like maybe the um, was she hinting hinting at like they they knew there was a a serious defect with these things that they pushed it off the line knowing that these things were prone to just smash everything that they were hired to pick up and move. Yeah, yeah, or like somewhere along the line decided that these demolition droids would you know they're so heavy duty they could lift a lot of stuff but didn't bother to tell anyone. Yeah, their duty was to like. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah we know this hand grenade is normally used to blow up enemy forces but if you do need to dig a hole in a real hurry maybe we also recommend this hand grenade installing a septic tank here <laughs> <laughs> just pull the pin and it's done in seconds <laughs> oh lordy uh wow i think about i mean that's a good point because i think like think forward in time I, I think about like the trade federation and and all these separatist forces that have just scores of of autonomous killing robots are they just going to scrap them or is there a way that you can repurpose like a, a battle droid to uh you know just be friendly I mean, you see it in the uh although it's still used in a deadly way mr bones in the aftermath trilogy um you know, could you could you reprogram the uh, 
the killing part out of it and, and make it some sort of productive member of your household? I don't know. Well, IG-11 is an example of a droid is a mm-hmm. uh, programmable and how you treat it is it's a reflection of its users. Yeah. So yeah, you can have a really good childcare droid from a battle droid. Right. And it, but again, it depends how you treat it. And it's, it's kind of the, uh, uh, it's a little bit of the uh, Pygmalion factor of like, uh, or my fair lady of like how you treat something is what it could be. And if you treat it as a goddess or as you know something sweet and nice, it could become that. Right. So, or if you want it to be a vicious, vicious, rabid animal, it could become that too. So, make the right life choice for how you want to treat said droid. Right. Did you the Mandalorian one? would disagree with you. I, by the <laughs> end, he was sad. That's true. And, and IG Eleven could tell. So around he comes around. Did you watch? Did either of you watch the uh, Freemaker Adventures? I've only seen a couple episodes, but there was a, only a little bit. Yeah, isn't Roger that? Isn't that the name of the battle droid character? He's like, yeah, R one or yeah, R O R zero G R or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a battle droid for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I've only seen it ironically uh, when hanging out with Steve Chu. His his oh, yeah. boy his boys had it on, so like that was the one time I've seen it. Uh, I did find it adorable. They're really so, cute. Yeah, uh, it's quality Star Wars. Uh, so in that 22-minute episode, there was a lot for us to unpack from the law and uh, to everyone at Lucasfilm. Thank you, God. This is so nice to be able to break down these issues, and just just a ton of fun. Uh, before we sign off, we've all done Galaxy's Edge, but we all haven't talked about it together. Uh, I know Stephen did a lightsaber build. Thomas, did you do one? I'm saving it until my daughter's a little older. Okay. Did you do a droid build at all or? Also saving it. I was very tempted because I walked in. I'm like Savi's is at least cordoned off, so you can't get in there and see it. But the droid builder, I, we walked in to see the little shop in there, and I, I very nearly just ran up and shoved people out of the way, but I, <laughs> I held my ground. That's good. Uh Stephen, what uh, what type of lightsaber did you make? And follow up, did you do a droid as well? I did not do a droid. Um, I wanted to save something for my next visit. There's a couple of things that I didn't do, um, but we did do the lightsaber. And um, I thought I was going to go in and my idea was that I would do the peace and justice one. That seemed like the most lawyerly one nice. to do. Uh-huh. But then, but then I saw the parts for what's the other one? Um, I can't. I'm, the guard one. Yeah, the, yes, the one that's super blingy and has all like the gold details on it. <laughs> I just fell in love with it. It's so cool. It has like that leafy stuff on it, the symbols. And so I made one of those. It, nice. It's great. It's so exciting and so fun. And But I have to say, Ogus Cantina was really the uh, standout for us. We had we wound up with like four reservations to go in there. We like <laughs> had the Spotify, you know, uh, playlist and we play it all the time. It's so fun. It's yeah. Just, it's so great. So I did peace and justice. So it's it's kind mm. of interesting that personality types, how we might gravitate towards those. Uh, yeah. And I, uh, another buddy of mine who's a lawyer who loves Star Wars, we compared lightsabers and we both built basically the same lightsaber. <laughs> and uh, which is, again, just interesting personality type 
uh, test right there. So Thomas, when you get to it, it'll be interesting to see which way you go. Because uh, I, I think a lot of lawyers are doing, uh, a lot are doing peace and justice. I've mm-hmm. seen a bunch do the um, guard, temple guard one. And I've seen a few do the, the Sith one. Um, nice. I haven't seen any lawyers, at least none that I know, and do the kind of the, the classic looking one with the, the bone and the whale bone and, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I saw that one when some reference to that one. It's it's much cooler than I thought it would look. It's really, really neat because it has like this. Um, it's not actually leather, of course, but it has like this leather strap feature on it, like part of the hilt. It's really cool. That's cool. Really What's well, cool. interesting on the, in a in a bit of brilliant cross promotional uh, thinking, the video game Jedi Fallen Order, you can customize your lightsaber throughout the game and, and find different parts for the hilt and, and whatnot and the emitter and stuff. The, all the parts that you can use in Galaxy's Edge at Savi's are scattered throughout the game. So you can actually, if you want to, construct a lightsaber that's the same build as one there and actually use it in the game, which is just, as soon as I put two and two together, because I, I, I played through it after we went, and I kind of cocked my head and I went, oh, oh, that was smart. Whoever had that idea, gold star for you. Yeah, and the replayability of the building experience of the lightsaber is so cool because you can get the different color crystals and everything. Oh, sure, yeah. Like every time I go, I'm going to get a different crystal. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, in my display case, I have three extra crystals. I, I got a blue one, got a white one, and I got a red one. And, Very nice. And uh, I, I haven't quite figured out from the, the matrix that they have on like who's who. Um, uh, but I am very excited. And again, it all depends on works going and everything and, you know, travel and all that good stuff. But I would love uh, the Count Dooku FX one when that baby comes out. Oh yeah. Cause that just, that looks sweet. And uh, I, you know, of bad guys, Dooku was the most regal and you know like not like filled with rage and ripping things apart he was classic. his fancy pajamas and he's a count yeah it's just <laughs> <laughs> exactly and uh i always thought that was cool so i'm a, normally i don't get sith stuff uh but i will i do want that one and i will put it next to the kenobi one that i have uh because there's uh, and i would prefer the Kenobi episode four one uh, if they ever do that uh, again so my favorite moment I'll share very quickly it it was a what I thought was going to be a bad moment that that did a 180 on me I went uh, my wife was pregnant when we went uh, we did it as like our uh, you know like a little baby moon and so she couldn't ride any of the rides with me so I ended up on the single rider line for uh, smugglers run the Millennium Falcon ride a few times. And if you've done single rider, at least at Disney world, you're, you're going to be the engineer every time, which I was totally okay with. And you know, you're on the millennium Falcon. Like, how could you be upset with that? But the second time I wrote it, first time I wrote it, I was uh, the right pilot had a phenomenal crew, like a bunch of people that were really into it. We did like very, very well. And I had a blast. It was like, you know, I was hooked instantly. Second time, both pilots, 
um, had GoPros out and were videotaping instead of using the controls. And so I'm like back in the back, like getting jostled around. I can't even like hit the buttons and stuff. Hondo is just like giving up on us. <laughs> and we, we get out. It was like a very, like about as poor as you can do in the game. And, uh, at, at first, as we like unbuckled, I was like, you know, if you guys weren't busy making a YouTube video, we could have had like a, a little more fun ride. But as you get out, I realized that the entire environment was different on a, on a bad ride. There were like alarms blaring and the, the announcer voice over the comm was like, hey, we got a, a Corellian YT freighter that's like basically scrap metal. Like we need a crew down there immediately. And uh they were like, you could hear hissing and stuff. It was really, really funny. And it like totally turned the experience around for me. It's so great. Yeah. You do? I, I do prefer going with people who are super into it and working as a team. Yeah. Opposed to just being, I mean, again, being the flight engineer is better than not being on the ride. So like, let's just be very clear about that. It's better to be there than not. Yeah. That aside, it's like, come on, people, step up your game. <laughs> the lights, the right, the, the the lever to to send the ship into light speed was glowing green, and the guy's like, "Oh wow, what do we do now?" And I was like, "I don't know, maybe that button that's flashing." <laughs> yeah, it's just one of the times I went, the 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 people who were the pilots were it's like little kid who was super into it because what five year old is not going to be, and then grandma who was like not into it and you could tell by her face it was just like oh god she should be an engineer she should not be the right hand pilot responsible for light speed because she's just not into it uh any other role would have been better <laughs> so yeah. i i will say if if uh assuming celebration uh goes off without a hitch and and we're uh, at at star wars night there at disneyland I want to try to do the the business where you can activate the Chewbacca mode. Chewy there's mode. Like a, the, yeah. yeah, there's a way to do it. Apparently, I don't know all the the instructions for it, but it it kicks over and Chewie gives you all the instructions throughout the flight in in uh, Shrewook, no less. <laughs> well, well, lawyers do know how to read instructions, so I think we can figure out how how to make that baby work. Yeah actually doing it something else but uh that would be pretty sweet to go do that with uh, at star wars celebration and let's hold good thoughts uh because uh, everyone's working hard to stay at home as one meme said you know our grandparents fought in world war ii we should be able to uh handle hanging out on the couch so <laughs> Use Disney Plus, use Netflix, use Hulu, use whatever. Read. There's lots of great stuff you can read. Listen to Legal Geeks podcasts. The, yeah, the, that too. Stephen's a genius. That's <laughs> why, why we call him the professor. And uh, <laughs> just, again, we, we got to make the best of it because it's not like we're working swing shifts building B-17s uh, or we're dealing with the Dust Bowl. It's, we've had worse and let's let's focus on a brighter tomorrow. So with that, I want to thank uh, Stephen and Thomas, and uh, everyone, stay home, stay stay home, America, and stay safe. We'll see you guys all very soon. <laughs>